appreciated the devotional and especially your goals, Gary, of being able to learn and explain the scriptures and leading other people to salvation and holiness. That's so important. For those of you here uh, that have been here at Brotherhood for a long time, you've heard me say this before, and, and maybe for the visitors, I'll just share this because it relates to the message this morning. So when I was first ordained, I was the youngest guy on the team, and then sometime thereafter, we had a deacon ordination. I was still the youngest guy on the team, and then after that, for a while, we had a minister ordination after I was bishop, and I was still the youngest guy on the team. And Dwayne's going to be retiring here um, say in about a year, and I will be the oldest guy on the team. It's changing pretty quickly because within a couple of years' time, uh, it's changing. Now, I was not the youngest guy on the team after Kevin was ordained to replace Jerry, so it's been a little while, but still had older guys working with, and all of a sudden I'm looking at myself as this old guy that these young guys are coming on to take on the ministry and to take it on for future generation down down and that's how it works it's how life works and I was thinking about them and uh, these young men Kevin and Tim and, and Gary and that's basically the message this morning not just to them but to the brotherhood but it will relate to them as well and I want to make some comments too that I know I am not an Apostle Paul, okay? I'm not an Apostle for that matter, and I'm not Paul and not anywhere close. And so as we look at some of these passages of scriptures, recognize that I'm, I'm looking at primarily this morning Paul and um, his young man that helped him so much through his ministry and, and took on some of the work, and that was Timothy. Now, we could also look at some of the young guys that helped him. Luke was a traveling companion of his. I don't know if Luke was younger or not, but he certainly followed, worked with him, and, of course, wrote more words, at least in English, more words in the New Testament than anyone else. That was, that was Luke. And also John Mark, uh, who at the beginning Paul had some concerns about, later appreciated his his ministry, and also Titus, and I'm sure there were many more. Some are even mentioned in the scriptures briefly, but focusing primarily this morning on on Timothy. Paul calls Timothy his own son in the faith, and as far as what we understand in church history, uh, Timothy became the first bishop at Ephesus, and he was, uh, what we understand, was martyred for his faith, for protesting some of the worship of Artemis. In Acts 14, you see where Paul and Barnabas visit Lystra. Lystra is where Timothy grew up, and his uh, mother and grandmother were believers, from what we understand. And Paul visited his hometown, and Paul heals a sick man. And, of course, the people start to worship Paul and Barnabas and uh, make a big deal about it. And they're saying, no, 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 we're not, we're not to be worshipped. And then some Jews came over from Iconium and some other places and uh, they stoned Paul. They thought he was dead. They dragged him out of the city and stoned him. And Well, he got up and ran for his life. No, actually, he didn't. He got up and he went back into the city, left the next day. And later he came back to Lystra again. He was in and out of that city. And so Paul would have, I think, influenced Timothy considerably. 
And I'd like if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And here we see in Acts chapter 16, we see Timothy beginning to travel with uh, Paul. And at this time, it would be Silas. And so, chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 1, says, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. And it talks a little bit about that. And we go over to um, chapter 17. Well, I'll just kind of mention some things that happen here. In the meantime, you'll see that uh, Paul and Silas, they, they travel on and they wanted to go into Bithynia and, and they didn't in Asia. Anyway, they end up going over into the European continent and had their, as far as we know, the first hymn sing on the European continent there in that prison at Philippi. And uh, I don't know what was going on with some of the other travelers that were along that they weren't in the prison with them, but somehow they weren't. So they go through Philippi, and then they leave there, and they go on down to Thessalonica, and, and chapter 17 there. And in Thessalonica, uh, those Jews weren't real happy with them either. They tried to, to work there for a while. And eventually, they headed off to Berea. And, of course, in Berea was where the Christians were more noble, and they studied the Scriptures to see if what these men were saying was true. So in chapter 17, verses 14 and 15 there, it says, and, and then immediately the brethren sent Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timothy abode there still, and they, conducted Paul, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So Paul is down in Athens, and of course that's where he goes to Mars Hill there and reasons with those philosophers and so forth. And then at some point, somehow he gets word to Silas and Timothy and says, come down here as quickly as we, you can. Now it's interesting, by the time they showed up, Paul went on. He, had, he went on to Corinth. He wasn't there anymore. He had moved. I'm not sure. You know, we, we know they didn't have... Uh, cell phones. They didn't even have telegraphs. I'm not sure exactly how he got word to them where he was, but eventually they did find him. And so I guess I'm thinking this morning of, of uh, these young ministers, deacon, and how working together. And I guess in this point, Timothy was a fellow traveler with Paul. He was traveling with him. He was, he was working with him where he went, where he was needed. Now, I don't have a traveling ministry. Yes, I've been places in other churches and here and there um, around the country or out of the countries to preach the gospel, but I generally don't pack up all the ministers or any, and take them along. I've taken Dwayne along, I think, for an ordination out in uh, Nebraska, I think it was, and some things like that. But generally, it's not quite like it was with Paul. But yet, Timothy was traveling with him and a companion with him and helping him and I find it interesting that if you go to chapter 18 then, when Paul is now at Corinth, and verses 4 and 5 it says, and, and Paul here says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. But notice in verse 5, And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, 
and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah. He was there doing the work. He was alone, basically. He had some friends he had met in Corinth. But something about it, when, when Silas and Timothy got there, it says he was pressed in the spirit, and he was just, he was moved, and he, and he just really went for it. And that's something I would just like to, to say this morning um, on behalf of, of Kevin and, and Tim and Gary that uh, it is encouraging, uh, and I'll say this for all of you to hear and for them to hear, it is encouraging to have young men on the team that you know how they believe and, and, and what they stand for and what, what they want to see in the brotherhood, and it gives an old guy... Uh, maybe some more energy to press on. If, if there was young men on the team now and, and I felt like that, that they didn't have, their goals for the brotherhood here was completely different than mine and they, they had no interest in some of the things. I don't know that I would be pressed in the spirit to continue on. It would be more difficult. But I'm thankful, and I think Paul was thankful for that, that here come these young, here comes Silas, and I assume Silas was more Paul's age, but here comes Silas and Timothy, and when they got there, he was just ready to dig in and go for it, and give it everything he had. So he was also a a fellow worker, uh, not only a fellow traveler, a fellow worker, and we'll, we'll look at some other words that are similar to that, but let's go to Romans chapter 16. It says here in Romans chapter 16, verse 21, toward the end of the book, here he's writing. And he specifically calls him this. He says, Timothy, my fellow, or my work fellow, my work fellow, Timothy, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. Timothy, my work fellow, and it means, in the Greek, it basically means my companion in the work. It's good to have companions in the work, and I've appreciated in the past, I I see a number of men here this morning that I've been blessed to be on the team with. Brother Bill's here this morning and appreciated working with him. Brother Jerry is here and uh, fellow workers and Dwayne and Owen. And, and Dwayne's still on the team, by the way. Uh, but if you understand where I'm going with this, that, you know, it's, it's such a blessing to have other fellow workers or companions in the work. And that's what he was. Now, sometimes being a fellow worker can bring about some of the tasks that aren't quite as enjoyable. And Gary mentioned this morning that he kind of thinks he's going to enjoy the preaching part of it. And, but he knows there's other things that come with it. Well, there are. Sometimes people think preachers get burned out from preaching. I don't think that happens very often. That's usually not what burns out preachers. What burns out missionaries is generally not sharing the gospel on the mission field. It's often people or or the board back home or something like that, other stresses that come about. So if you turn over about a page or so there in your Bible 
to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I think you understand that a lot of the letters to the Corinthian church were letters a lot, a lot of correction, a lot of trying to help them find their way and get things right in the church at Corinth. In chapter 4, starting at verse 14, Paul writes here, by the inspiration of the Spirit, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. In other words, who really brought you about anyway? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, or I beg you, be ye followers of me. Now, I'm not going to stand up here this morning and tell you to be followers of me. Paul at one point says, be followers of me as I am following Christ. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to point you to Christ, okay? Be followers of Christ. But Paul was trying to make a point here. He said, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timothy, my beloved son, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now he says, uh, some are puffed up or some of you are proud as though I would not come to you. So I would say this, if you're going to be a fellow worker, you young men, sometimes you're going to be fellow admonishers. That's not one of the fun parts of being in the ministry to be an admonisher. And that's what Paul's doing here. And he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And he said, some of you are proud. And he says now, in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, or proud, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? And then he goes on and talks about some of the things that were going on in the church. So basically, Paul was reminding or sending Timothy to remind them of how they needed to live, how they needed to be right with God, and what holy living was all about. Now, let's go on in in 1 Corinthians here, clear back to chapter 16. And again, as we think about a fellow admonisher, sometimes that's a fellow worker working in the Lord. So we go back to chapter 16, verse 5. He says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. It may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you, uh, I will not see, I will not, let me start over. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timothy come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. I want to stop there for a second. 
said, if Timothy comes, because he said he's going to send Timothy, see to it that he's not there in fear. Now, it would appear from the scriptures that maybe Timothy was a little bit of a timid man. But he obviously had the strength to go and help preach and teach and those kinds of things. But Paul says, if he comes to you, I don't want him to be there in fear. Now, whose responsibility was it for him to not be there in fear? Well, you could say, well, Paul did tell Timothy. We don't have the spirit of fear, or in the Greek that really means timidity, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So that was his responsibility. But if these three young men that are on the ministry team here are afraid to come to you and talk to you about things, that may be as much your, your responsibility to correct as it is theirs, as a brotherhood. Why would they be afraid to come and talk to you? Well, I will say this, none of us enjoy being admonished. I don't. I don't like to be told I'm wrong on something and told how whatever and you need to get this right, but we do need to be admonished from time to time. And I don't always react the way I should. I need to. I need to grow in that. I think we all want to do what is right. But Paul is telling them, I don't want Timothy to be there in fear. And so, as a brotherhood, you have a responsibility, really, to these young men, that if they come to you and point out things of concern in your life, that you hear them. And that you respond in a way that they don't go home and say, well, tell their wives, I'll tell you what, that's the last time I'm talking to anybody about that subject because I don't need to get that kind of a raking over the coals. I don't need to get all my points or all my faults pointed out just because I'm trying to help them. Forget it. That's not God's will. And then it goes on there to say in verse 11, Let no man therefore despise, or that word really means to belittle him. Don't belittle them. Don't do that. It says here, But conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Conduct these men in peace. Treat them the way you would want to be treated. And I think you will. I know you want to. And sometimes in a setting like this, yep, 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 I'm all for it, I'm all behind it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one of them knocks on your door sometimes and says, oh, brother so-and-so, I, something here I'm concerned about. Well, come on in and tell me about it, brother, because I want to know, because I want to grow, and Lord bless you, and can I get you a cup of coffee? Let's sit down and talk about it. Or... Is the door just about, not quite, but just about slammed in their face because you don't want to hear about it. Paul was concerned about that. He said, don't belittle Timothy and don't cause him fear while he's there. He's got a work to do. I'm sending him. Remember, Paul said, when I come, do you want me to come with a rod? Or do you want me to come in love or with meekness? I'm not sure if when Paul was writing that, if he was thinking, I want to take the rod, but I suppose I should show up in love and meekness. 
I'm not sure what he was thinking when he wrote that exactly. But he did say, I'm going to come with power and deal with some things that were going on in the church at Corinth. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians, a couple of pages in your Bible, to chapter 1. And you'll notice here it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you jump over to um, chapter or verse 18 and 19, it says, But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea, nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was preached among you by us, even by me, and Silvanus, and Timothy, and was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Now that's yea and nay, and if you look in this passage, there's a bunch of yea, nays, and what's he talking about? Basically what he was saying is, uh, if I understand it, we weren't preaching a bunch of wishy-washy stuff. What we said was the truth, and what Christ says is the truth, and it's yea, and that's the way it is. And so that's how we were preaching. And so this morning I would like to say that these young men are my fellow preachers. Um, some will be preaching probably more than others. And, and just a reminder for you um, that the, the, with Dwayne transitioning over to his son Gary over the next year, we, we will be transitioning. So of the, the, the week that normally Dwayne would preach, right? Um, as you see, next Sunday, that's going to fall on Gary. And then uh, Dwayne will probably take a couple of his regular ones and then Gary. And then but toward the end of next year, Dwayne's going to be sitting back more. And Gary's going to be putting the saddle more to do that. And so, But fellow preachers, and I'm sure Paul was so blessed to have others that would preach the gospel with him. And it is a blessing in our, in our brotherhoods to have plural ministry where it's not you're not just hearing from me every Sunday and uh, I'm sure some of you are so thankful for that and and but you know you get to hear different perspectives and from different men and how they see the word and and what and how uh, the gifts that God has given them and how they share and and from different uh, just different perspectives as long as it's truth and so you get to hear that, and Paul was blessed with that. He says here they, that they were preaching the gospel with him, and, and they were preaching the truth and sharing the truth. So these young men, it's good to have fellow preachers, and it's been good to have fellow preachers through the years that uh, preach from different ways and different perspectives. But this morning my focus is more, uh, when, when Owen retired there, I, I had a message on, faithfulness and these men being faithful through the years. I've appreciated that. Well, now we're shifting over to these younger men and trust that they will be faithful through the years and uh, looking forward to them preaching the gospel um, alongside myself and, and, of course, those that have retired as well on occasion. He was also a fellow laborer with Paul in the gospel, specifically the gospel. Turn to Thessalonians, first, first letter there, verse 1, it says, 
Again, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you go on over to chapter 2, I think I'll start reading there at verse 17. And I'm going to read down through the entire chapter, entirety of chapter 3. So starting at verse 17 of chapter 2. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And I want to stop there for just a second and make a few comments. What is the joy of the minister or the pastor? Is it going out back after the message? And, you know, I, I call that the CC line back there. It's for compliments and complaints. And uh, we go back there. No, not very few complaints, but, uh, and we don't look for compliments either, but it's a good way to greet everybody and get to see your congregation. But is, it, is our joy and our hope in the work of the ministry to hear you say, well, that was a good message or whatever? You know, I mean, we appreciate if it's something that meant something to you and so forth. But, and it's encouraging it's very encouraging when we get little notes or gifts or whatever along the way of just little showing of appreciation that you care about us. It's great. But you know, Paul says here, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? What is it that's making him rejoice? He says, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. The minister's, the pastor's glory and joy is seeing the brotherhood loving each other, living in peace, and striving for holiness. And being ready when the Lord comes again. He says here, Yes, our crown of rejoicing is you being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back. That's what's worth rejoicing over. Yes, all the other things are wonderful. But the thing that brings the most joy to, I believe, a pastor is when he sees his his fellow Christians in the brotherhood getting along, striving to do their very best, and living a holy life, and that's what makes it worth it. Starting at verse 1 of chapter 3 there, we'll go on. He says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And that's where I come up with that. He was a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, 
that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So he's saying, I sent Timothy to help you know that even in these afflictions in this life, all the things we go through, don't be moved. Don't be moved away from the gospel. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timothy came from you to us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes because our God, night and day praying exceedingly that, you might see your, that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our fathers at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And that chapter really wraps up and puts together what he's talking about, his crown of rejoicing. To the end that he may establish you unblameable and holy at his coming. Now it's interesting in this passage that Paul's saying he sent Timothy. He wanted to know how these people were doing. How are the Christians at Thessalonica doing? He, he was concerned about this. And so he sent Timothy to go check it out. And I, I was trying to put myself in somehow in... in his shoes there a little bit as I was studying for this message, and I thought, well, what would it be like for me if somehow I would be put in prison? I would maybe be in some other country preaching or something, and I'd end up in prison there, and I, I couldn't, wouldn't be released, and wouldn't be able to find out how you're all doing back here, and and uh, I'll just use Tim because I'm talking about Timothy. So Timothy shows up somehow. He manages to come and visit me in prison. And I say, how are the people back at Salem doing? What's going on? What, 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 how are they doing? And it says here that when Timothy came and told him how he was doing, oh, he was just overjoyed. And, and that would, I guess my question would be, what would be the report? I would hope it would be a good report. I trust it would be. I have no reason to believe otherwise. But what would be the report? Paul was so encouraged because Timothy was able to bring good news. And, you know, it may not be that, you know, I, I could be taken out of the scene. I, I could pass away today. We don't know what, what the plans are that God has. And I, at that point, I don't expect to try to find out what's going on back here, Okay. But I wonder if I'd get a report 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Would it be a report of joy? And for the steadfastness that it talks about here, for the love 
for each other, even during affliction. And by that time, there well may be persecution and affliction here. We don't know. Most Christians in the world face that on a daily basis. We don't really understand what that's all about here, I don't believe. So in this passage here, as we think about it, we think about the fact that he was there to help establish them and to comfort them. As we see there in uh, verse 2, he says, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And then he went on to warn about persecution. We, it's, it's hard for us maybe to understand the persecution part here right now in our setting. But I do believe that these young men on the team want to help you establish your faith and to comfort you in times of distress and sadness and whatever might be going on in your lives. Now, I would like to look at Hebrews, just one verse or so there. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse 23. Almost to the end of the pass, or to the ch- uh, book here of Hebrews. And I guess we could say maybe that Timothy was a fellow sufferer of Paul's. It says here in verse 23, says, Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. He was set at liberty. He must have been in prison. Some people think perhaps Ephesus. They're not sure. We do know that Timothy was with uh, Paul when Paul wrote, many of his prison epistles from Rome when he was in in prison there because those are often the ones that start out Paul and Timothy to the church so and so so he was there with him I don't think he was in prison with him in Rome but apparently he was in prison somewhere and so Timothy learned a little bit about what it meant to suffer like it was um, like Paul did and I hope in our setting here, that it doesn't ever come to that, where your leaders, your pastors are put in prison for their faith. But it could happen. We don't know. It could happen. But Timothy was a fellow um, sufferer in the fact of being imprisoned at some point. But he was set at liberty. Now, I'd like to um, have just a couple scriptures here now. A lot of this has been directed maybe more to you as a congregation, to a brotherhood. Uh, these last couple verses that I want to look at are more directly to the young team. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14. And there's a lot in these books here we could look at, but focus on just a few things. Verse 13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. And I'm going to say from the scriptures, okay? In faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in you. So you young men, 
that are taking on leadership responsibilities here. And for Kevin, he's been in it for a while. But the good thing that was committed or entrusted to thee, keep by the Holy Ghost that dwells in you. And never give that up. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and Gary was here this morning. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, you've had, uh, you three men have had a blessing, not everyone, not even everyone that's here this morning or part of our brotherhood has had that blessing, that from a child you have been raised to know the scriptures. That word child there in the Greek, as I believe the word brephos, I believe, it basically means an infant, from an infant. And how do you know the holy scriptures from an infant? Well, Because you grew up and you heard them and you saw them lived out in your parents' lives and in your families and in the brotherhood here or wherever you may have grown up. And so you've known those things. Hang on to those things and teach those things because you you have. And it doesn't mean that for someone who doesn't grow up with them that they can't learn them and teach them and so forth, because I believe that's very, very possible. But you, had a, you have a blessing that from a child, you've known it. Don't lose it. Don't give up on it. Keep it. And then in chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to read that from the Williams because sometimes we look at that word study and we think that means to open your Bible and, or whatever and sit down and spend time studying. Well, that is true. You need to study. All of us do. But it actually means more to be diligent. And I want to read it from the, from the Williams translation. Do your best to present yourself to God, an approved workman, who has nothing to be ashamed of, who properly presents the message of truth. It's interesting in that translation that the word present and presents is in there. Do your best to present yourself to God, an approved workman, so that you have nothing to be ashamed of, who properly presents the message of truth. And I would say for any of us, whether it's a minister, a deacon, bishop, or just someone sharing the gospel with others, if you haven't presented yourself to God so that he can work in your heart and life, you're probably not going to properly present the message of truth to others. If nothing else, it will be confusing because if your life isn't presented to God, your message may not line up with what you are actually living. So let me read that again, and this is my encouragement Um, especially to you, Kevin, and to Tim and to Gary. Do your best to present yourselves to God an approved workman who has nothing to be ashamed of, who properly presents the message of truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you this morning for...
the brotherhood here. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just the men that are here this morning that I've had a blessing to work with in my life. Thank you for Brother Bill and Jerry and Owen and Dwayne that are here this morning. And also, Lord, thank you for these young men that you've blessed us with as a brotherhood, with Kevin and Tim and Gary. I pray, Lord, that your blessing would be upon them, especially these young men, as they look ahead for the years to come and work of the church here. Just bless them. Help them, Lord, to just go by the strength of your Holy Spirit in their lives and that they would just be diligent workers for you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as a brotherhood. Help us to pray for them and to lift them up, to hear them when they admonish us, to be willing to encourage them and to strengthen them. And Lord, help us to forgive when they make mistakes and they fail in areas. Lord, we all do. And I just pray that you would give us just the grace to do that for each other and especially for them as well. Lord, I just pray for the brotherhood here. Help us to be faithful to you until you come again so that we can all be presented to you at your coming. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.